0: Welcome to this week's episode of Indubitably.
1: Josh and Kelly here with some exciting news. In last week's episode, we mentioned the possibility of doing a live recording of the show and asked you to let us know if that's something you'd be interested in.
0: We've gotten enough interest that we have decided to commit.
1: So mark
0: your calendars for May 13th at 4.30 p.m. That is Pacific time for those of you who don't share our time zone. Josh, uh, do you want to share the topic for what we'll be covering in that episode?
1: Oh yeah, I'm excited about this one, actually. It's story time with Josh and Kelly. (laughs) Earth is dying. Most estimates suggest that within 25 years, it will no longer be capable of supporting human life. This is a hypothetical, by the way, so none of our listeners freak out. Fortunately, though, in this hypothetical future, we have discovered a habitable planet in a nearby solar system. We've also made several notable technological advances as a species, including developing the technology to transport roughly half of Earth's population on a one-way trip to this planet, and perfecting techniques for artificial insemination without the need for a male donor. I'm sure Kelly's happy about rendering men useless.
0: No comment. (laughs) (laughs) The topic
1: is, in this world... We should leave all men behind.
0: So that means including you.
1: Yep. 25 years. I probably won't be around anymore anyway. Oh, that's grim. I don't know. Where do you stand on this topic,
0: though, for real? Or do we have to wait till May 13th to find out?
1: Well, I believe that I will be defending the side that says we should, in fact, leave all men behind on Earth. So that means this new planet would be colonized with 100% non-male identifying, at least, people.
0: And does that also mean that the listeners are in for a big surprise wherein Kelly defends some male people?
1: Yeah, you have to say that we should bring some of them along for the ride.
0: I can think of like three that I would be okay with bringing. Do you want me to
1: like maybe talk a little bit more expansively than that, though? Probably. And I also don't want to know whether or not I'm in the three because I don't think I'd like the answer. If you're not on the planet, I don't have
0: to do this podcast anymore.
1: (laughs) They're also, for clarification's sake, allowed to bring their pets along. Oh, well, of course. We're not monsters. (laughs) So we are looking forward to seeing as many of you there as possible. And moving along to the next item of business here, Kelly. Have you seen the results from last week's poll yet? Uh,
0: no, I don't think I. I don't think I have.
1: Well, first off, for those of you who didn't tune in last week, our listeners on Spotify can now engage in polls directly on the app for each episode, letting us know which side of that week's topic they agree with or who they think won.
0: And for those of you who aren't on Spotify, we still love to hear from you through our socials. We are on Twitter and Facebook at Indubitably Pod, but um tell me about these poll results.
1: All right. Well, as of right now, last week's episode about whether or not senior citizens should be allowed to vote, 35% believe that seniors should not vote, which was my side. Hmm. 29% say to let them keep voting. I I forget whose side that was. Do you remember? I mean, we all know it was mine. Thank you. 24% said that I made a valiant attempt and 12% say that you are a better person.
0: I don't know if we're going to encourage people to vote on objective truths like that, but thank you to that 12%.
1: (laughs) That's not to say that 88% think that I'm a better person. There was no option for me being the better person. So 12% think you're better. 0% think I'm better. I guess you're still winning that. Mm Mm-hmm. At best, I guess
0: we're at level pegging, but I am definitely the better
1: person. So thank you
0: again for those votes.
1: We also, through the Q&A feature on Spotify, had June write in saying that seniors should probably be allowed to vote, boo, but that we should potentially cap the age after which people aren't eligible to hold elected office anymore. So definitely seems like a more reasonable proposal than what I put forward. I'd be willing to go along with that.
0: Yeah, that seems reasonable, but I still don't know about these poll results. I'm going (laughs) to spend like 15 bucks, 30, 45, 60 bucks to create all these Spotify profiles so that I can maybe uh, correct the answers a little bit. Oh, wow. Okay,
1: So you're going all vigilante on us, huh?
0: Yeah, I'll use my money, which is, we all know, a form of power for good. And that is to make sure the poll results are correct
1: to ensure that seniors can continue to oppress the rest of us in real voting.
0: Listen to the episode. That's not my argument at all.
1: (laughs) Extra, extra, read all about it. Podcast tackles controversies that define your world. Listen to indubitably now. Extra, extra, read all about it. Well, While Kelly tries to pull a Biden and tamper with last week's election results. Excuse me. Make sure you all check out the poll on Spotify for this week's episode, which is about, fittingly, vigilantes.
0: Look, I just want to make sure the right outcome happens and I don't care how we get there.
1: (laughs) I guess I can understand Kelly's frustration here. I think at its core, it's the same as what any vigilante feels. They think that the system has failed them. Some injustice has gone unpunished, some cosmic scale left imbalanced.
0: The examples that are the easiest to empathize with usually involve a victim or victim group that can't protect themselves, such as children, women who suffer domestic abuse, things along those lines.
1: Mm, It's like inherent in our nature, especially you as a Scorpio, to want vengeance when some wrong has been done.
0: I want vengeance when someone cuts me off in traffic. I can't even imagine how I would feel if I knew somebody who was hurt and nothing was done to right the situation.
1: Hmm. Vigilantism at its core, when people get away from the systems that society has put in place to maintain order, they feel the need to take matters into their own hands for at least what they see as the greater good.
0: But do they potentially cause more harm than good? I think that's the main question for today's episode.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll be answering that by exploring a variety of different types of vigilantes and the scenarios in which they operate to see if we think that their actions are justified. And let's be real. Can we really have a conversation about vigilantes without talking about Batman?
0: The best case scenario for vigilantes is that they are someone or a group of someones who are able to arrest dangerous criminals. And for whatever reason, those criminals, the authorities somehow didn't have the ability to take care of
1: them themselves. In the Batman's case, it's because they're (laughs) supervillains. They have some powers that the police just can't keep up with. So they call in the caped crusader with his little bat light. What's that called? The bat signal? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So embarrassing. I think I want to edit that out.
0: <laughs> no, you have to leave it in because I want to dispel the myth that boys know more about
1: these things than girls do. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> so in Batman's case, we have supervillains. In the real world, perhaps these people have abused loopholes in the system. They've gotten off on legal technicalities or a lack of evidence, statute of limitations, or have just been able to hide from authorities. It's a common trope on law and
0: order. So therefore it must also happen in real life. But there Mm -hmm. are plenty of times that evidence, which absolutely implicates people, is somehow not deemed appropriate for court. Either the chain of custody for a piece of evidence wasn't intact, or there was a specious reason to attain a piece of evidence. And then any... Subsequent findings from that evidence were, quote unquote, fruit of the poison tree. And we all know that the person did the thing. But because of the strict rules of these findings, they cannot be fully prosecuted when we know they did the thing.
1: I think there's actually an entire profession dedicated to ensuring that people aren't held responsible for the actions that they committed. Isn't it called, like, lawyers?
0: Not not all lawyers. Defense attorneys? Yeah.
1: More Harvey Dent's, less Johnny Cochran's.
0: One of them is fictional. (laughs) One of them acted like he was fictional.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, if you were to just describe each of them to a random person, they probably wouldn't be able to tell which was real and which wasn't. (laughs) For real. But this bureaucracy and this red tape does oftentimes, I think, make you ask the question, are the normal means of achieving justice too limited? For instance, if a person who has perpetrated a violent crime isn't discovered until after the statute of limitations has expired, what's to be done other than vigilante justice if you don't want them to be able to walk away scot-free?
0: I feel that a lot of people who would not pursue vigilante justice don't view it as letting the other person get away scot-free, but rather moving on from the, the pain or suffering that they've experienced and just kind of letting it go. They're not going to achieve justice. Therefore their next step is to
1: heal. It feels just so dirty though. Like you said, we have somebody who we know committed a crime And just because they can afford a fancy defense attorney, or just because somewhere in the process somebody made a random, silly, clerical mistake, this person who deserves to be punished and a victim or a victim's family who deserves some sort of restoration, or at the very least resolution, isn't going to get it. It just feels wrong
0: and i think that's why people so badly want hell to be real
1: if not the batman then hades
0: exactly there will be justice even if it is going to be a long long road to get there
1: and and that's my gut reaction my instant reaction to hearing stories of this but then if you stop and think about it without the burden of proof or the arbitration of guilt or innocence from a judge or jury, these safeguards that we put into place, if they didn't exist, how can we be sure that we are punishing the right target? And, and if those standards that are incorporated into our criminal justice system officially are ignored by some dude on the street, how can we be ensure that said dude is exacting vengeance on the correct target?
0: Right. These are legitimate concerns. And there are times where people have felt the need to take justice into their own hands and they did things to people who hadn't done anything to warrant vigilante justice in the first place.
1: Yeah, there are a number of troubling examples of this and a lot of them have to do with the groups that you had mentioned earlier. The examples that are the easiest to empathize with usually involve the victim group that can't protect themselves, whether it's children, victims of domestic abuse, etc. And a lot of the real-world examples of vigilante justice we see have to do with these groups. And, therefore, a lot of the fuck-ups we see also have to do with these groups.
0: We have some examples of said fuck-ups, and this is just a very, very short sampling of what's actually out there. One such example is that in 2021, a family conducted their own search after their one-year-old child was apparently abducted. In the process of going door-to-door to to look for the baby, and due to the heightened emotions of the situation, getting into some sort of a dispute with people who lived in the area, it led to the shooting death of a 60-year-old man when the family was searching who had absolutely nothing to do with the missing child.
1: Mm. And in January of this year... Seven men were convicted of kidnapping and stabbing an innocent man to death who they suspected of committing an assault against a teenage girl. He was stabbed more than 90 times and, once again, had nothing to do with the crime.
0: I think this draws another point about vigilantism is that it's often much more emotional than the normal means of justice as well. And therefore, rationality kind of goes out the window. And there are dozens of stories like this.
1: And literally, as we're sitting here and thinking about the crimes that are committed, you know, a child being kidnapped uh, or the like, it does really tug on the emotions. And we're not even involved in the incident. And so having the people who are directly involved, and as you said, so emotional about it, being the ones who are having to make decisions about, is this the perpetrator? Were they involved? What should we do about it? Probably not a good idea. And so as frustrating as the restrictions that the criminal justice system puts in place are, they might be a good idea to just ensure that we don't let emotions take control and have results like this, where we have innocent people being killed. We can
0: often feel frustrated by the overall system and the restrictions that are in place, but those rules are in place for a reason. And that is to ensure that the criminal justice system isn't abusive, full stop.
1: Mm -hmm. And we've certainly done episodes before on, for example, police militarization, and I don't think that we need to look very hard to find incidences in which the criminal justice system itself has maybe overstepped and punished the wrong people.
0: Having safeguards in the judicial system are important. And what's more, in most cases, they can undo or at least reverse decisions, that have been made, like letting people out who were later found to be innocent. The death penalty is a whole other topic where you can't really undo that. But vigilante justice often is very destructive, and you cannot really undo it <laughs> when when it goes wrong.
1: And vigilante justice is seeking to rectify perceived mistakes that the criminal justice system has made, or in this case, not mistakes of punishing the wrong people, but allowing the right people to go. And if that's the problem that they have, maybe instead of taking justice into their own hands, they should be looking to pass legislation that rebalances out the power of the courts and police. The problem with that is it usually comes at the expense of civil liberties. That's a difficult line to draw accurately between those two concerns.
0: There are discussions about ways to amend the criminal justice system in a way that doesn't really have a severe effect on civil liberties. and might actually address some of the issues that people who seek vigilantism are are concerned about, such as eliminating things like statute of limitations. Why do some crimes have them and other crimes don't?
1: Mm -hmm. Although that doesn't fix the problem that you pointed out, where just some people want justice to be meted out by their own hands. They want that visceral feeling of punishing the person that has harmed them or harmed their loved ones. And removing statute of limitations might put some people behind bars, but it's not going to make people happy who want to take justice into their own hands.
0: And I don't think there's ever going to be anything that takes care of all of those folks that makes them feel satisfied with the results if they are so angry and so hurt and uh, also happen to potentially be Scorpios. It's very difficult to control (laughs) for that in a legal system.
1: Okay, but what if we take this up a level? It's pretty obvious that Batman is taking out bad guys when the police just can't. But what about vigilantes who punish people the system doesn't even consider to be criminals, but the vigilantes themselves think that they should be?
0: Hmm. So now we get more ideological.
1: Me, as the vigilante, thinks that this thing is wrong, even though the criminal justice system has said that it's not, or at least not to a level of criminal culpability.
0: Like wearing socks with sandals.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I support vigilantes in that case. (laughs) I have a group here that I think you might be supportive of, at least the name. Hmm. This group is the Lavender Panthers.
0: It sounds like a very cool manicure
1: theme. (laughs) In the 70s, homosexuals had essentially no legal protection, so verbally abusing or even physically assaulting a gay man was considered a very minor offense. But the Reverend Ray Brochiers from San Francisco, who was an openly gay, Pentecostal, evangelist preacher, ironic formed the Lavender Panthers after getting his own ass kicked for being gay and in public. That sounds like a really interesting guy for
0: starters, but
1: what was the purpose of the Lavender Panthers? Well, because there was such limited legal protection for the gay community, the Lavender Panthers was basically a vigilante group that was renowned for its ability to appear out of nowhere and promptly begin flailing ass on anyone who represented a threat to gay individuals or the gay community at large. Sick. I like this. (laughs) So in this case, it's interesting because once again, according to the laws, these are not people who have even necessarily committed a crime, physically assaulting a gay individual. Um, There were no hate crime protections, etc. So Or if it was considered a crime, it was a very minor offense, and the punishment would reflect that. As opposed to the earlier category we talked about where, okay, if you kidnap a child or you murder someone, it is definitely a crime, but because of some legal technicality, or just the fact you're a supervillain, you got away with it. In this case, the criminal justice system, the police are not even looking to really punish you at all.
0: This seems like a system that kind of makes sense considering how slow the law is to catch up to changing social norms and the things that we think are ethical now that the law didn't always see the same way. Sometimes people kind of have to force the narrative along.
1: (laughs) What was interesting about this group is they also had a form of immunity. Like if you're not secure enough in your masculinity to go around harassing gay men on the street. You're also probably not going to go to the police and say that you got your ass kicked by a group of them.
0: The more you tell me about this group, the more I am just such a big fan now.
1: (laughs) Okay. True. But I do have to point out that assault is illegal. So uh, there is a little bit of irony in groups like this and vigilantes in general breaking the law in order to uphold it.
0: Yeah. Assaults illegal and all, but who doesn't like to see somebody get decked who really deserves it? Remember when Richard Spencer got punched in the face Mm -hmm. by that anonymous hero. We still don't know the name of that was a great day. That was a great day.
1: (laughs) But does that make the vigilantes? I mean, the answer is definitionally. Yes. But does that make the vigilantes criminals in their own right? And therefore, now they deserve to be punished as well?
0: It may make them criminals in their own right, but I would say they do not deserve to be punished because they were on the right side of history.
1: What if this starts just a cycle of violence, though? The police decide the Lavender Panthers shouldn't be punished. And so uh, some other vigilante group, though, decides to take that justice into their hands Etc. 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 Like the system just devolves into chaos.
0: They are responding to violence that other people instigated first. If they were the originators of the overall violence of the situation, they would be the most responsible party. So if people don't want it to devolve into chaos, then maybe you don't like assault gay people in the first place.
1: Mm. And we brought up Batman, but certainly the vigilante trope plays into most superhero, comics, movies, stories. What about just the destruction that superheroes cause sometimes trying to be good? Like they caught the bad guy. Now that person or villain or alien, what have you, is in jail. But the entire city is destroyed. Why do they get to decide that that's worth it? Because
0: nothing will stop the pursuit of justice. Even civilians in in the way
1: of a superhero i'm just imagining people walking down the street in the middle of like the fucking avengers movie have you ever thought like the buildings that get exploded for example there's cats in those buildings how many cats do you think the avengers have killed
0: well now i really don't like the avengers
1: (laughs) well they've caused significant damage in lagos nigeria in captain america's civil war In an effort to stop a biological weapon from being stolen, I suppose that's good. But is it worth it?
0: When you consider the outcome, maybe. Uh, Wanda contains an explosion, which we also would say is good. But it was redirected to a building full of innocent people. So that's bad. And cats. And cats. And also in that building were Wakandan humanitarian workers. So that was real bad.
1: Yeah, and I think off the top of my head, just the Avengers, just one group of superheroes. Pretty sure they have destroyed New York City, Washington, D.C., Vienna, Johannesburg, London, Seoul, uh, Edinburgh, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Hong Kong. I'm sure I'm missing a couple, but just ticking off the, the places where they've done battle. The list is quite extensive.
0: I was just thinking that if you are like a contractor in the Avengers universe, business has to be real good.
1: Mm. (laughs) Maybe that's all this is, is just a strategy by big contracting (laughs) under the guise of justice.
0: (laughs) It turns out that Tony Stark's fortune came
1: from like lumber. (laughs) And that's that's actually I don't know if you've seen the show The Boys. Oh, yes, I've seen The Boys. So speaking of big business, uh, in a world where superheroes have absolute power, not only through their superhuman abilities, but because they have also harnessed capitalism—I'm pretty sure that's your favorite ism, Kelly.
0: That's absolutely my least favorite ism. Oh no, no, wait—I take it back. Racism is my least favorite ism. The capitalism is up there.
1: <laughs> so the boys is just over the top. And for those of you who aren't familiar. It is a TV show on Amazon about a world where superheroes have been basically commodified and the largest corporation in the world is the corporation that controls them. And that just gives them double power. They have their superhero powers and then they have the power of this corporation behind them and makes them pretty much untouchable.
0: Right. Because of their corporate interests and the public image that they have to maintain, their we're doing this for the good of the people ethos is totally out the window. And it's all about whatever is going to fuel the company and its prominence. So a lot of people get neglected in the process. A lot of people get killed. Innocent bystanders get killed in the process. Certain areas like black neighborhoods get over patrolled by these superheroes. And uh, the superheroes are real dicks about it. It's pretty awful. They're just horrible people.
1: And so as, as shiny as superheroes might be, there is this dark side to them too. Every Batman also comes with the Joker. And I think that's important given that we're talking about vigilantes trying to make decisions to ensure justice or to act in the best interest of society. Almost every supervillain also thinks that they are making the world a better place. Killmonger from Black Panther, Magneto from the X Men, Ozymandias from the Watchmen. I mean, I could keep going, but I'm already a little uncomfortable with how nerdy I'm starting to sound.
0: The point is that the fundamental flaw of the vigilante lies in the subjectivity of allowing whoever to decide between good and evil.
1: Mm, yeah, at its core, I think that is the prime criticism of the vigilante. Like, who are you to decide? Well, you're Kelly. I'm just a dumb
0: Scorpio who likes nail polish, so I probably shouldn't be the one to decide. But a lot of other people who might engage in vigilantism lack that self-awareness.
1: And they get to decide what is a crime, for one, in this category we're talking about now. And they also get to decide what the punishment should be. It's the proverbial judge, jury, and oftentimes executioner.
0: and Justice is... More complex than that. It's not just a black and white issue. It's impossible to universalize the entire evaluation of guilt and what actually is right and wrong.
1: To take one of the examples from earlier, I think that highlights this point very well Magneto from the X Men was a little Jewish boy who witnessed the horrors of the Holocaust, his parents killed in the Holocaust. So as he grows up, Magneto is aware of humanity's tendency to expel or exterminate the other out of fear, and he wants to ensure that his people, mutants in the X-Men, are capable of fighting back. In a scenario like that, if we're talking about good and evil and justice, at what point is he wrong? He's seen firsthand what humans can do. And he's decided as a supervillain, which draws a lot of parallels to vigilantes, that he will take justice into his own hands and ensure a world that is safe for mutants, for people like him, to ensure the horrors that he witnessed once aren't able to happen again. Now, intuitively, I suppose as the humans that he's trying to exterminate, we feel as though that's wrong. But listening to his story, it's kind of hard to fault the guy. This is where it
0: becomes more complicated and the nuance is really important. A lot of the times the villains are not judged to be so based on what their ultimate goals are, but the tactics that they use and who they're okay with hurting in the process of achieving those ends. If they are doing something that's exceptionally violent to people who otherwise can't defend themselves, then they lose a lot of legitimacy for their cause. But then we can go back to what we've been talking about with the Avengers. They do a lot of destruction, and somehow we're okay with that, even though their motivations are probably no more moral than Magneto's.
1: Mm -hmm. The issue here when it comes to vigilantes is how do we decide whose worldview is the most moral when it comes to justice? In this case, it seems as though the answer is might makes right. fundamental prerequisite to being a vigilante is you have to have the strength to execute the punishment that you would like to lay out to whoever you perceive as a criminal. In the X-Men or the Avengers, that might be superpowers. Batman has his toys that for some reason qualify him as a superhero, but we don't need to get into that. In the real world, that could be just guns.
0: Well, you're being a little facetious about Batman and his tools, his gadgets and whatnot, but his strength comes from wealth. He has the means and resources to fund or create all of these gadgets that he's using, but ultimately comes down to some sort of power, Mm -hmm. superpowers, weapons themselves, or the ability to get those things.
1: And certainly, the real-world examples of vigilantes that we've seen oftentimes go hand in hand with guns. Uh, one example would be American Wolf, which is a paramilitary group, although they refer to themselves as "quote peacekeepers," and they show up to fight against anti-government protests. They oftentimes counter-protest in response to Black Lives Matters rallies, and according to them, the reason they are there is to detain, arrest, subdue any BLM protesters that might be getting out of line, according to them.
0: When the federal government picking up protesters in Portland and throwing them in a van and releasing them 12 hours hours later isn't enough, there are the peacekeepers who can join in and make it even more difficult to protest against government injustice.
1: Mm -hmm. So let's look at our battle of the animals here. Kelly really liked the Lavender Panthers, but how do you like the Lavender Panthers, but then not allow for the American wolves? How do we say that one is justified, but the other is not?
0: Well, you know what I'm going to say.
1: I don't actually, this one seems like quite the conundrum.
0: Counter-protesting Black Lives Matter activists is wrong. (laughs) Advocating for and protecting marginalized LGBTQ people is right. And I know that these are both matters of opinion, but I tend to think that my opinions are correct.
1: But like you said earlier, in terms of the destruction that's levied by the Avengers or by supervillains, it's almost more about the methodology than it is about the motivation. And if these two groups have very similar methodologies, how can you allow one without allowing the other? Or does that delegitimize the concept of vigilante groups in general?
0: Well, as an oft-repeated phrase on this podcast, I contain multitudes, and I'm fine being a hypocrite in this regard.
1: (laughs) Okay, another example would be border security, we'll call it. Arizona Border Recon or Rescue Ranch are also both paramilitary groups that patrol the southern border and detain people that they think might be entering the country illegally. In this case, they are going back up to our first category. They are detaining people who are breaking the law. Does that make them legitimate? Even though I know intuitively you probably wouldn't support these groups.
0: No, they're not legitimate because their response to the quote-unquote crime of a border crossing is disproportionate. They are often destroying water caches in inhospitable climates, and that leads to the death of a lot of people. They assault and potentially kill a lot of these people for walking across an imaginary line. Get real.
1: What if this group, though, let's say one of the caveats that we began the episode with was oftentimes criminals get away with crime. Because they're simply able to hide from the government. Crossing the border, whether you like it or not, illegal immigration, literally in the word, illegal, and people get away with it simply because there's too many of them or the system is unable to catch them. What if these vigilante groups didn't hurt anybody, but detained them and transported them to the authorities where they were processed by appropriate methods? Would you be okay with that? No,
0: because I reject the legitimacy of the law that they claim to be upholding.
1: But you don't see the slippery slope that that leads to?
0: Oh, I imagine that there is probably a lot of fallout and uh, a horrible precedent that could be taken from this and horrible outcomes
1: as a result. Because now let's say that, you know, you're somebody that's sympathetic to, in this case, we'll call them the criminals, people crossing the border. And so therefore you are saying that the vigilante groups are illegitimate, but what if somebody was sympathetic to the criminals, according to the Lavender Panthers, and say, hey, the person that you beat up for harassing gay individuals didn't deserve to be beat up, and therefore, we are going to counter vigilante, take matters into our own hands? Like I said, Slippery Slope devolves into chaos. It's like, "Ah, I don't like that law, so I'm just going to ignore it.
0: I'm okay with it as long as they agree with me. (laughs) If they're doing it in line with my personal ethics, I don't have a problem.
1: And so the only way that that works is if you have more guns than the other side, which we both know for a fact you don't. You'd be surprised that I have actually fired a gun, though. I bet that will surprise you to (laughs) own it. (laughs) Sure, that'll surprise me, but it's not going to help you out against American wolves. and, And just in general, let's be real. The side of the political spectrum you are on has significantly less guns than the side of the political spectrum you are not. So, if you are saying that, hey, vigilantism is legitimate in the cases that I like, and somebody else takes your exact same stance, and they have more guns than you, and guns mean power, you're losing this culture war.
0: Yeah, but I've been losing this culture war.
1: <laughs> so, isn't it safer though to, to say, hey, no vigilantism? is legitimate whatsoever. And even if the criminal justice system allows certain things to get through, that we would really, really like it did not. And we would really, really like to take matters into our own hands. On whole, maintaining the rule of law is the way to go. Wouldn't that be better for you and the people you support?
0: That's the rational stance. And that's the stance I should take. The emotional side of me looks at this and says, no, I don't want the logical outcome and to have all these people who I know done bad get away with it that doesn't feel good to me in my like Scorpio heart
1: all right I've got one let's let's turn the table on you again here let's put you back on team vigilante the pink gangs are you familiar with the pink gangs are
0: the name sounds familiar
1: yeah well they're also called the globby gangs which were formed in 2006 in India in response to the lack of police support for victims of domestic violence. So similar, both in color and mission, to the Lavender Panthers. Uh, most, if not all, of these pink gangs were members of lower castes. And they say, quote, that we fight rapists with lathies, which are large bamboo sticks. If we find the culprit, we thrash them black and blue so he dare not attempt to do wrong to any girl or woman again. These pink games were literally gangs of women roaming around India, beating the crap out of domestic abusers.
0: There's almost nothing I love more than angry women doing
1: something with their anger. (laughs) So, a couple of specific examples. In 2007, a Dalit woman was raped by a man of a higher caste, and the incident went unreported. The villagers and members of the lower caste protested, and of course, to no avail and many of them were actually even put in prison for doing so. The Golabi gang, our pink gangs, took action, charged into the police station, and attempted to free the villagers who were put into prison for protesting. They also demanded that a case be made against the rapist, and when the policemen refused to make a case, they resorted to violence and physically attacked him themselves. Well, cool. this is what makes it difficult, is there are certainly... Vigilantes or vigilante groups that seem just gut check justified in their actions, where governments have made just obvious oversights and and are not punishing people who certainly deserve to be punished. But at the same time, allowing those vigilante groups makes it very difficult to disallow others that, again, just gut check, seem to be a little bit less righteous In their actions?
0: Sure. If you say that you have to be consistent, you either don't allow any or you allow all of them.
1: Well, I think you either have to be consistent or you have to have more power. And that goes back to the same concept I brought up earlier. Under your model, it's pretty much a might makes right system.
0: Yeah. So that's where it falls apart because, as you said, we don't have very much might on my side of the political spectrum.
1: All right, well, not all vigilantes direct their efforts towards individual criminals. Plenty of vigilantes target companies or even governments or countries. We talked about the motivation of protecting vulnerable groups of people, babies, victims of domestic abuse, etc. But when compared to multinational corporations or governments, victims are not measured in individuals. But entire populations of people could be considered vulnerable.
0: Right. In these cases, groups take on the call to protect society at large when they feel as though they can bring justice in some way to an evil company or abusive regime, in their
1: opinion, of course. Mm -hmm. And as long as that falls in line with Kelly's opinion, she's okay with it.
0: Look, we all know that I think I'm right about everything, (laughs) but I think everybody
1: else also agrees that I'm right about everything. Not what the poll said. (laughs) Well, to start with vigilantism against the country or government uh, briefly, the character that comes to my mind is from V for Vendetta, blowing up a futuristic British parliament, which as Americans, we can be sympathetic towards. But at the same time, he also locked up Natalie Portman, which, unexcusable.
0: I don't know. That movie confused me. I watched it several times and I enjoyed it, but I also don't know if I fully understood it.
1: And I think that's a common criticism to these vigilante groups that are targeting governments or countries. There seems to be just this vague sense of injustice. The The world is becoming X or X evil is spreading. It's a very like incel attitude. Women are X. And so just as a species, we need to punish them all. They don't have a clear, this law is being broken. This is the goal that we have. Again, it just comes down to feelings. We feel as though the system is flawed. We feel as though this government is broken and we need to fix it or we need to punish the people responsible.
0: Feelings do complicate things. I admit they make it so that rationality flies out the window. And we really should be making a lot of decisions based on more logical reasoning. Fine, you got me.
1: V for Veneta obviously is a fictional example. But there are groups that would mirror his sentiments. The Three Percenters, for example, is a paramilitary group so named because they claim, not sure this is true, but they claim that 3% of American colonists fought against the British during the American Revolution and were able to win the war for us. And they draw parallels between the US government today and the British government of the 1700s arguing that the current U.S. government is tyrannical and actively working to infringe on Americans' constitutional rights and liberties.
0: Do they also try to get help from the French to do whatever they're trying to do? Because that was kind of a big component of winning the Revolutionary War.
1: Yeah, well, so 3% of American colonists and the French fought against the British.
0: (laughs) They're conveniently ignoring the French contribution. The French, known for their military victories and all. (laughs)
1: did you know that if you were to type into google french military victories it'll actually correct you and say did you mean french military defeats
0: you know that was the case i think probably a good decade ago
1: but maybe i'm aging myself for our listeners give that a try let us know if it still works or not
0: (laughs) or are josh and i the oldest people ever
1: Mm -hmm. and shouldn't Uh, be allowed to vote um, we should not (laughs) vote. I think these groups like the three percenters are worth mentioning at least as a, as a type of vigilante, although it might be more accurately discussed in a terrorism versus freedom fighter debate. But certainly some of the same principles and some of the same questions apply here.
0: This is an enduring debate when it comes to any sort of group that has a political aim. What makes it legitimate? What makes their goals worth pursuing? It depends on who's in power. It depends on how much power the non-governmental citizens have in in terms of persuading the governments to allow them to exist or what have you. And it all comes down to perception, really. Any group could be considered legitimate or illegitimate based on who's looking at them.
1: Mm -hmm. And you'll certainly hear me argue often that there is a difference between morality and legality. So what is right and wrong is not necessarily synonymous with what is legal or illegal. But as we are obviously tackling with the problem of subjectivity here on this episode, there is a certain neatness to the objective measure of if it is illegal, you will get punished. And if it's not illegal, you will not get punished, regardless of how that might make Kelly feel.
0: Well, I got thrown off of a jury. Well, I wasn't on the jury yet. It was during jury selection for saying that I felt there was a difference between illegal and legal and moral and immoral. Mm. And they thought, we don't want this complicated person here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) They were probably right. Yeah. But for this group of vigilante, uh, again, might be more accurately described as terrorist versus freedom fighter. But for this particular group of vigilante, there is a big problem here when the thing that you see as wrong is the rule of law itself and the government that is meant to uphold it. That being said, we don't need to just attack individuals or countries. We have another target that we can go after as vigilantes.
0: Corporations.
1: (laughs) What about corporations? One example that comes to mind is the recent bank collapses, Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. These crashes after taking all our damn money. Well, not mine. I don't have enough money to put into those banks, but (laughs) banks in general taking our money and making greedy, selfish, irresponsible decisions and then getting bailed out with more of our money. I can definitely understand the desire to punish these people.
0: Yeah. And another one of the Kelly agrees with that type
1: of effort candidates. And it falls into the same category where what they've done is so obviously wrong. And in this case, it's not even a matter of the government not being able to punish them, but the government actively rewarding them with bailouts, oftentimes for financial institutions that have been irresponsible.
0: Yeah, that really gets everybody's goat, I feel. But the idea of too big to fail, and if we allow these companies to actually bear the consequences of their poor decision-making there will be horrible economic reverberations that hurt everybody. It's starting to wear thin because we've been hearing this for decades now that there are some corporations who get to like do major fuckups, and they'll never ever have a cost to pay.
1: Mm-hmm. And this spawns people like John Dillinger, who was robbing banks during the Great Depression, stealing from the rich, and Not necessarily giving to the poor, but he was destroying mortgage loan paperwork in the banks that he was robbing, so erasing the debt of some of the people that were affected by the Great Depression.
0: I didn't know that. I think we all have heard of John Dillinger as a bank robber, Mm -hmm. but not necessarily
1: also as a hero. Yeah, He was actually pretty popular. And again, just gut check, obviously, he's committing a crime. The banks in this case are not committing a crime, but in a, in a weird, uh, I'll acknowledge this is not a direct act of vigilantism, but in a weird way, he is taking it to institutions that seem to be perpetrating some evil in the world and trying to rebalance the scales of justice, or, or in this case, the coin scales. Hmm. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly approves of this one.
0: Yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know if that's a complete breakdown of his criminal activity but so far so good in my opinion
1: to bring these examples a bit more in line with clean vigilantism and also to make them a bit more modern i've got another example for you this is the jester which sounds like the joker but ironically he's nicknamed the batman of the internet oh does he have a lot of gadgets too He does actually. He was a former US Special Ops Command operative who did four tours in Afghanistan. And he uses a denial of service script plus a personalized front end called Xerxes. And I'm going to say both of those things as if I know what they are. Basically, they're badass computer programs, as far as I know.
0: I will take your word for it. I know nothing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But what they allowed him to do, regardless of how they do it, which I'm unaware of, what these tools allow him to do was target different organizations similar to corporations that he thought were evil and commit cyber attacks against them. So he started off by targeting Taliban recruitment websites and crashing them, limiting the Taliban's ability to mobilize new members.
0: Okay, so far okay with this.
1: Uh, He also used this, though, against maybe more legitimate organizations like WikiLeaks, 4chan, and the Westboro Baptist Church. Not saying that they're legitimate because of what they do, but saying that they are more legitimate insofar as they are not explicitly illegal like the Taliban. Yeah, but they feel like they should be illegal in some cases. Hmm. But once again, this guy, although not committing violence, is using technology to Commit what is more and more frequently the method in which vigilantism takes form, and that is cyber attacks against organizations that he feels are anti-American. And for this example, that makes them wrong.
0: Seems like there are probably a lot of opportunities for people with the know-how to do very disruptive stuff on the internet. So hopefully, if they're doing it, they have um, a good motivation, a good a good reason. It sounds like he probably does. But there are, I'm sure, plenty of people who have the same sort of know-how, who target good things, too.
1: So it goes back to that same question of subjectivity. We might not, and definitely do not, like the Westboro Baptist Church. But what if he does set his sights on a bank? He says, I don't like this bank in particular. And as opposed to punishing them for being irresponsible and then crashing, causes them to crash in the first place, as, as well as all the people who have their savings invested in whatever institution it is.
0: Well, if they're an American bank, they're probably
1: going to be just fine. It's kind of scary that we just have to hope that the people with this degree of power happen to have intentions and a worldview that falls in line with ours enough that we won't be inadvertently punished by their actions against whatever corporation, bank, organization, country, government, person that they've deemed evil and deserving of, quote unquote, justice.
0: Right. Regardless of our stance, though, vigilantes exist whether or not we want them to and whether or not we agree with their motivation. So hope is kind of all we have to cling to, (laughs) that they they must do the things that we want them to do and no more than that.
1: Hope, and potentially my favorite vigilante, who is a champion for us all, Captain Sticky.
0: Excuse me, what now?
1: Captain Sticky was the commander-in-chief of the World Organization Against Evil. Hey. uh, This is a real person uh who used to drive around in a vehicle armed with cannons that shot... Pause for dramatic effect peanut butter and jelly okay this just this sounds silly this is hundred percent true and you know most people thought he was nuts until he helped them out of a jam I'm surprised his story wasn't more widespread you're fired <laughs> but he was actually a real he was a real person who would bring media attention to corporations that he felt were acting immorally by bringing his peanut butter and jelly firing cannons, basically vandalizing these companies and ensuring that the public heard about their actions. Because let's be real, what news station is going to be able to pass up a story like this?
0: True. I still get a little chuckle every time a politician is pied in the face. So it appeals to my juvenile... Juvenile
1: heart Appeals? Does that mean you like banana on your peanut butter sandwiches? Gosh, I swear to God. <laughs> now, my jokes are the best case for vigilanteism. <laughs> Somebody stop this guy.
0: <laughs> Seriously.
1: All right. So I, I think with Captain Sticky, we have come full circle here. We have vigilantes whose family has been wronged or see themselves as protecting the victims of individual crimes bringing the law to those perpetrators who the criminal justice system was unable to. We have superheroes that do that on a mass scale. And we know that superheroes aren't real, but they do allow for us a vehicle through which we can examine some of these questions around vigilantism. We can apply those to corporations. We can apply those to vigilante groups that try to take on governments or countries at the end of all of this, as anti-capitalist as I know you are, I can imagine you feel some sympathy at least towards vigilanteism targeting corporations. What about the rest? what What is your overall stance besides the feels about vigilantism?
0: The feels are pretty strong with this one, but We know that I still like to appeal to logic and common sense and weighing out things on a practical level. So while I do think that people will continue to perform vigilantism, and I continue to hope that they're going to do so that aligns with my political beliefs, I, I think your suggestion earlier about how if we have an issue with the way that the system is achieving justice, then we need to work within the system to improve it. And we should discourage vigilantism because that runs counter to the effort of improving justice for everybody.
1: Mm, I know it hurt you to say that. (sighs)
0: So much. And the, the risk that people who engage in vigilantism do things that are extremely destructive because of things like mistaken identity or just being stupid about their research and attacking people who have a similar name to the person they think did a thing. There's just too much of a risk of people getting hurt who don't need to be hurt. Not that anybody needs to be hurt, although sometimes we want people to be hurt. That's why vigilantism is a thing, but it does run the risk of getting very chaotic and out of control very quickly. So I like some of it, but in the interest of overall Peace and harmony for everybody probably is not a super good idea to champion it. Mm. What about you?
1: Well, the one thing I would say that we didn't discuss that might be a mitigating factor if you're going to support vigilantism is just the court of public opinion. There's something to be said for these cases of bringing a child molester to justice, uh, bringing a domestic abuser to justice, where when that gets aired out, in a court or those actions come to light, the public as a whole pretty much says, yeah, thank you. That guy got what he deserved. But I think in the more interesting cases for our discussion today, there's not going to be a clean consensus on who's right and who's wrong. And so I, on mass, am probably anti-vigilantism, And the one principle here I think that makes my mind up is that quote, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. If you are the six foot five, 250 pound neighbor of a woman who you hear regularly being abused, and you go next door and give her boyfriend What the fuck he deserves. You might be doing what's right, but the manner in which you did it, you still assaulted somebody. You still beat somebody up. And just because you had the size or the power to do it, you have also abused that power in some way. And so even though it feels like what you did was right, at the end of the day, I'm not sure it's a methodology that we can accept. And I'm I'm certainly not sure that it's a precedent that we want to set moving forward of because you're big enough, because you have enough power, because you have the guns, you should be able to take justice into your own hands.
0: We've talked a lot about the abuse of power, but you, dear listener, have a very appropriate use of power that you can exercise, which is to vote for any poll that we put on Spotify for each of these episodes.
1: Mm-hmm. You still have time to vote. We're leaving the polls up for about a month. So I know Kelly's not happy about last week's results, but we are still tallying up votes. So you do have the time to go back. And if you haven't listened to our episode about whether or not seniors should be able to vote, you can listen to that and you can cast your ballot there or you can cast your ballot on this episode. And honestly, even though we've done it for one episode, it's been kind of fun to get some feedback from you all and have a little bit of a better sense in terms of how you're responding to the episode that we put out and what your thoughts are. Either the polls or, like we mentioned, we also have an option for a Q&A there and have people share their thoughts with us that way. And I don't know about you, Kelly, but I've, I've kind of had a fun time this week reading through some of that.
0: Yeah, it is really interesting to see what people are thinking about when they're listening to these episodes. We really encourage listeners to give us more of their feedback and input making us better as podcasters in the process by knowing what you're looking for in these episodes is is pretty great.
1: Just make sure not to vote against me. Otherwise, I'm going to come and find you and give you what you deserve.
0: I don't think anyone is afraid of you, Josh.
1: So <laughs> that's kind of an empty threat.
0: And therefore, these listeners feel comfortable with the Jelly is the better person voting option in last episode's poll. I'm going to be
1: sending Captain Sticky to their house. Oh no,
0: peanut butter.
1: <laughs> peanut butter jelly. I wonder what flavor it was. Probably grape. Ugh. Isn't that
0: the quintessential peanut butter and jelly flavor? It's grape jelly.
1: I also think it would be the most fireable flavor. I feel like strawberry, or boysenberry. the seeds might get stuck in the cannon.
0: Yeah, those are usually jam. Jelly is smooth.
1: I get it. The cannon jammed. Oh, my God, Josh. (laughs)